0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Ladies Late Night right here on Lee Judges TV. It's been a while since we have regrouped, so let me welcome the girls tonight. We've got Jess from She Knows Arsenal. Yes. That's not hey. that's not the, the greeting I should be using here, but hi, Jess.
1: <laughs> How are you? Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> of course. Uh, and we've got Lucy the Gooner, who features on Lee's channel and also the Highbury Squad. Well, welcome, Luce love it thank you for having me again of course and we have mk making her debut right here on the Lee judges tv channel she is from the arsenal los angeles group and a regular on the hybrid squad as well mk welcome to the show
2: thanks
3: for
0: having me as well awesome uh it's been an interesting season so far and we've had our downs at the beginning and now we seem to be on and up the title of the show today is "Oo to be a or "Oo to just be right so I don't want to start on a negative. I just want to start on an honest tone, okay, before we get stuck into some nuts and bolts here. Can I ask, and I'll start with you, Jess. When Mikel Arteta took over, we knew we had a broken team. We knew that even when Unai Emery took over, we had a broken team, a broken squad. Arsenal was in free fall. And there were so many issues, so many problems. Unai inherited a mess. Mikel inherited a mess. But we could only report on what we see. We could only talk about what we see. And the truth is, the first 15, 16 months were dire. Two eighth-place finishes. Unaya also had a chance to finish, you know, and qualify for the Champions League, as did Mikel. So now when we see the team evolving and doing well, if you were critical of Mikel and you're now complimenting the team, You're a flip-flopper. The Arteta fans want to make sure that you know about that. Talk me through what you think about that, because news, sports, opinions, process, it's all about talking about what's in front of you. What do you think about the fact that some Arsenal fans just want to be right versus just saying what they see?
1: Yeah, I think that this is a conversation that I often have with with friends, you know, behind the scenes, and I feel like football Twitter is basically based upon being right or wrong, you know, and the binary aspect of football, you're either Arteta in or Arteta out, you know, you have to be on some side of the... Of the conversation try to force you into either this or that so that when things turn around or they don't turn around i'm in the right and you're in the wrong and that's just kind of how things go but life is not really like that we know that things change as the facts become more clear or you get more information and it's perfectly okay for you to change your mind and you know i think when it comes down to arsenal fans that were really skeptical over over the last two years I think it just comes from years and years and years of disappointment and not wanting to get your hopes up or believe in things that you you don't see yet. You You can't blame somebody for not seeing before they actually saw it. A lot of people did not see what we were trying to do until those six players stepped on the pitch this season. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think the pressure to try to force people to say you were wrong or you were right just takes away from, like, the beauty of the journey of figuring out where you are, it's fine. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And that's just how football Twitter just kind of is. It's this place where they're like, you're either this or that. And it, that's not real life. Yeah. That's not it. Luce,
0: yeah. And, and Luce, I want to differentiate a lot between the criticism of Arteta versus supporting the new players, because we'll get onto that in a little bit. What's your take on being able to kind of say what you see versus – being complimentary when you see something good. What's your take on kind of how some fans just wanna rib it, throw it in your face and make sure that you know that you were almost a defector in the early days?
3: You're on mute, Luz. There we go. Um, I've always said, essentially, I don't support Arteta FC. I support Arsenal FC. And Arteta is a brilliant example of why managers need time to settle into their roles, especially one as inexperienced, let's face it, as Arteta is. Um, I don't care about being right, wrong. In that moment, all I care about is wanting the team to do well. If at one point I criticise Arteta for doing something and then the next week he changes it, then amazing like why why would I then still be critical of that I I want to see us do well at the end of the day I'm not I want to be proved wrong if I have criticism then I don't I don't want us to lose based on the fact that I want to be right I would rather be wrong and us win because I'm an Arsenal supporter I'm I'm not I'm not sort of here to have my point proved I'm here to see Arsenal get points right the whole, you, there's no agenda
0: yeah. there's no agenda exactly and I think that's, that's 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 the difference mk um what what are your thoughts on this whole process because i feel like you know it, a lot in life you know we see things we say things and we we see we, we say what we see what's your take on the evolution of the team and of course the team has improved because the players are better new dna nude culture better mentality, better players, better quality, which is what everyone has wanted. What are your thoughts on this whole subject?
2: Well, I think that you use the word agenda, and that's exactly what some people have made it out to be, particularly the Arteta FC folks. And I don't know why we're trying to divide <laughs> the fan base, because if anyone has an agenda, it's the people that are like, ah, I told you so, like a Simpsons meme, and I don't appreciate that. No one's out here trying to you know, score clout by rooting against their football club. They want to, the only agenda here is to see Arsenal successful. And if if exactly what Lucy said, if Arteta makes the right, you know, changes, then of course we're going to applaud that. But when he makes bad th- bad decisions, of course we're going to criticize that. I can only focus on what's in front of me. And there is no agenda. It's just I call it as I see it and I think that's a lot of people but other people, I guess, maybe have an agenda that wants to, you know, divide the fan base for engagement. I don't know. I can't speak to their agenda, but I can tell you that I don't have one.
0: So. I think it's really important that we talk about this. Uh, and also, Jess, I just want to swing back to the fact that, you know, we started off poorly. Three games, zero points. Uh, I don't think we scored any goals. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. It was horrific. Then we scrape a win against Norwich. You know, we beat Burnley. Uh, We survived against Brighton. We had 40 minutes of brilliance against Tottenham. Uh, The Aston Villa game, I think we'd all agree, they've been lauded for two years. Everyone ridiculed us uh, because we couldn't sign Buendia. And they made all these great signings and we scored them on the pitch. And then, of course, going to Leicester was the biggest test. But let's be honest, we've owned leicester a lot over the last few years so we're up there we're in fifth but at the same time we're i think there's a lot of us that are this is wonderful this is great but we're holding the mayo and the mustard because there's still such a long way to go the team are doing great Arteta has found a formula and i think has eaten his own humble pie in bringing lacazette back in what's your take on his evolution so far what we're seeing and not getting maybe too carried away with you know thinking we're going to be there at the end of the season
1: yeah i mean i think there's if you have you know if you're reluctant to really buy into this and you're still kind of waiting that's probably what you should do we have liverpool up next newcastle and then man united We are just a couple of bad results away from being right where we were right after those first three games, you know, and it's a 38 game season. We remember last season that a lot of the narrative around our turnaround was after December. And I do think that we improve, but we can't just throw away chunks of the season. We're we're kings kings and queens of doing that, where it was like we were good after this point or good before that point. So I think we do need to wait it out, you know, just a little bit. And see how we are at least until January, especially because we know we're going to lose Thomas Party, we're going to lose a bombing. You know, there, there's going to be injuries that come into play. A lot of our players are starting to play international football now. So i, I personally, although I'm excited about what I'm seeing, and one loss is not going to change my mind and make me throw everything away and say I haven't seen improvement. I still am not sure that we've completely turned a corner because you know you turned a corner after 38 games and you see where you've been. That's that's just how I, how I am, yeah. but in regards to Arteta, I think that he's matured quite a bit this season. I think his substitutions are a lot better. I think he he fixed the issue with the galaxy brain thing that he does when key players are missing. He went straight back to a double pivot, put us in a system where we feel more comfortable, and then we stopped losing um, losing points. So, I think you're seeing a more mature Arteta. You can see it with the way that he's dealt with Ainsley Maitland-Niles that if that had been a year prior, that may not have happened. And mm-hmm. now he's an asset for us, especially going into, you know, AFCON. So I want to give Arteta credit. But if we end the season in eighth again, which is very possible, we can still have a decent season and come in eighth, then all of this, we turned it around, is for naught. So let's just wait for a second and see what happens. But I'm positive, but I still know that there's a long way to go.
0: Yeah, there is. And Luce, um, I don't think if we lose to Liverpool, the sky's falling. And I know for a lot of fans, they may revert to the skies falling. And I think that's a little bit where the rubber meets the road, where the Arsenal nation is concerned. We've never really done well at Anfield. Uh, they're coming off a really, I wouldn't say embarrassing loss against West Ham, but West Ham, definitely a resurgent team. Liverpool played really poorly. I think the, the thing that, is good for us is there's the international break in between because if, if we were playing Liverpool five or six days later, I think it could be a different story. What What's your take on what happens next if we lose to Liverpool or even take a point and our evolution as, as we get into this crazy, crazy holiday season?
3: Like you said, losing to Liverpool is not going to be the end of the world, in my opinion. Yeah, obviously, I would like to win. But judging by their form and our form it's just I, I would take a point now and um, we're playing them on my birthday as well so love it <laughs> but um, don't, don't yeah. ruin Lucy's birthday you uh, buggers tell me about it no but the the thing is Arsenal supporters are always very zero or 100 it's either amazing or it's bad I think we all just need to take a deep breath take stock of the fact that Liverpool are a very good side. They have a lot of capability that maybe we don't have, but at the same shot, like, I'm not going into it thinking, oh, no, we're going to lose, as opposed to a few months ago, I probably would have gone into it thinking it's going to be an awful game and I don't even know if I want to watch it. But now, from the way that we've been playing, it's going to be an interesting one, for sure, to see if we actually show up to see how how Liverpool deal with it and and how we deal with them. Definitely. MK, I'm going to switch gears a
0: little bit with you. Consistency Mm -hmm. is key for me. When Super Kevin Campbell asked me at the start of the season, what do you want from this season? I said, consistency. I just want us to start there, which I think we've done because we're on this run right now. So we built the consistency. Now I feel like we need to marry that with performances. And we've had spurts of performances. And I wanted to ask this to you guys you Remember when Unai, Emer- Unai Emery went on a run, but also there was this notion that we were a second-half team with Unai, whereas with Arteta, I feel we've become a first-half team, and we manage the game in the second half. Am I talking out of my rear end, or do you see a similar pattern? Go fast, go hard in the first half, and then batten down the hatches in the second half, and in some, some ways, have we gotten lucky with that?
2: I don't think it's that we've necessarily gotten lucky with that. I think there's absolutely improvement both with Ramsdale and goal and with, with our defense. I think what people want to see more of is shots on goal because I think that that's a place that we've really struggled. And um, if you look at the chances on goal, that's kind of why we've been digging out of this goal differential hole for a long time. And I think that you know when people are taking shots, when you have a player like Emil Smith-Rowe That is able to carry the ball forward and maybe work on his finishing as he seems to have and starts, you know, shooting and creating, you know, unpredictability up front there instead of just try to get the ball to Oba or, you know, you know, banging across like that, that wasn't working for us. And I think we're seeing this attack sort of revitalized now, and hopefully that helps with the consistency because um, that's what we need. We need it working, you know, up and down the pitch. And I do think that there is improvement. And with improvement hopefully comes that consistency. Um, What remains to be seen is what happens with Arteta when he has to go to his plan B because, and this isn't just Arteta's fault, this is the Mm. fault of any inexperienced manager. It's very hard to adapt when your plan A fails and then you have to maybe pivot in the middle of a match. That comes with experience and that comes with time and, and hopefully Arteta can, you know, figure out how to address that better, you know, when things aren't going to plan.
0: Yeah, the plan B thing is key, Jess, isn't it? Because when you look at what's coming with AFCON, uh, thankfully, you know, Maitland Niles has come in. A lot of people have been critical of him, but at the same time, he's been very vocal about the position that he's wanted to play. He's been on the chopping block. He's been up for sale. And here he is, a Halen boy who is taking his chance. And a lot of fans, I think, come January would rather see Maitland-Niles be given the opportunity in midfield rather than uh, returning Xhaka from injury. Uh, We talk about consistency. We talk about maybe what we're going to be lacking in January. uh, But at the same time, that plan B that MK mentions, does that concern you at all, just riffing off from what, what she said?
1: Um. Yes and no, just because I think that so far this season, I think Arteta has dealt with situations in terms of like players not being available. You know, Granite and Tierney being missing out of this team usually is the the start of derailing for Arteta because he just can't deal with those two players out. But um, being able to bring in Makanga and bring in Tavares has really saved us. And some of that's recruitment and some of that is him trusting to use those players. But you know, I think that in the end of the day, as long as he keeps the shape, because that's what we're looking at, right, is that midfield. You know, what's going to happen in that midfield when Thomas Party is not there? And I know that people don't want to see Granite Jacka come back in, but we all know he's coming. We all know he's coming and he's going to play. He'll be ready December 1st. He'll be a, a month or so Jez, before Jez, time. Jess, do,
0: do you think he would be a first choice above Maitland-Niles?
1: Yeah, of course. 100%. I, I don't think... Uh, let's just put the just a tiny bit in perspective just a little bit before granite got injured he was great in the north london derby let's let's be real you know and he's he a also got
0: sent off in horrific he, manner against City, he, he didn't he, he did, made a poor choice but
1: ainsley's only really had one good game you know so Two and that's not to take season anything though. from him Two? Two Leeds, good games? and then one against watford i think if you look at that type of over look over like over december and january we're going to play different type of competition so i think we need to use all of the assets that we have i would expect granite to come back in just like i would expect tierney to come back in i think mm-hmm. that's how our works i think he works on consistency my leadership coming back in bring those pillars back in versus new players playing well love it hate it whatever but i think we're gonna see granite come back in but we're gonna need everybody we're going to need everybody, and I don't think a rotation of Lakanga, Ainsley, and um and, and Jacka, I don't think that would be that bad, you know? But I know people mm-hmm. don't want to see him come back in, but he's coming back, you guys. No, he, like- he,
0: the truth is we are going to need him, <laughs> right? Because yeah. AFCON, guys, we're going to be, they're going to have to travel a little ahead of the tournament beginning in January. So we're going to lose them, and depending on how far their teams go, we could be losing them from, like, the new year to the first week of February, it, you know. And, and also, like the Euros, they're going to need a rest when they come back. Are they not? And let's hope yeah. they come back injury-free. I'm even worried about the international break right now. We're on a run. They're going off. I, I pray and every night that every single Arsenal player comes back injury-free, loose. Just to kind of dovetail what Jess is saying, we've seen Nuno come in for Tierney. We've seen Lukonga come in and do well. We've seen these players kind of perform over a period of games. Football works really mysteriously sometimes. Sports does. If you're a big name, you automatically get to come back after you've been injured. We've seen that before, even with our team. Would you keep Nuno running right now? Would you bring Tierney back in? What's your take on the Tierney thing, who's our brave heart and our Tesco bag carrier that everyone's loved? and lauded for so long rightly so
3: by the way yeah i mean Tini, you can't discredit him he's he's a great player there's been many occasions where he's he's made a huge difference to our games and and i love him but the fact is obviously you'd have to drop nuno and i just don't see that as a beneficial thing i feel like we're on this run we've got the momentum he's been playing really well and i think obviously if we can rotate them maybe Maybe see it as an opportunity to bring Tierney back slowly. So starting um, Tavares and then bringing Tierney on later on in the game, just to give him some game time, but also not force it on him almost immediately, and and have to sort of like take Nuno out of his stride in a way. I feel like that would be may, like maybe the way to go about it. But like you said, it's difficult when Tierney was so massively consistent for us before. And then obviously the injury came along and and Nuno really stepped up and stepped up to the plate um, more so. So it's, it's a difficult situation, not one that I'd really like to be put in, but see how Arteta handles it, to be honest. This is a
0: really good test for him as a manager and also for us as fans to see kind of, you know, I think when you find a winning formula, you let that run until someone gets injured or something, Absolutely. you know, kind of happens in a game. I want to switch gears, MK, and uh, get into some other subjects uh, here with you guys. Uh, I was going to talk about ESR, but I'm going to say that because we're on a roll with how the team is playing and stuff like that. The biggest Achilles heel for Arsenal over the last few seasons, and we've all screamed about it, is the defense. And to see the defense evolve the way it is. Everyone ridiculed the signing of Ramsdale. Everyone ridiculed. I'm not. Sorry, I correct myself. Some ridiculed the signing of Ramsdale. Some ridiculed the signing of Ben White. Before they'd even kicked the ball or played for the Arsenal. Hold your mayo. Okay, like I said earlier. Don't criticize anyone until they've worn the shirt, played a little bit of football. The defense with Tomiyasu as well. Who, by the way, when we signed, everyone also kind of, some melted about who is this you know a lot of people don't watch syria and a lot of people aren't in touch with european football but it's it's incredible a name goes up and you're like yeah yeah let's sign him let's sign him but you've never seen him play even gary neville ridiculed us jamie Carragher. a lot of people pointed the finger at arsenal what are they doing what is their policy now here we are where this back line is forming a partnership a relationship a communication unlike anything we've seen in years ramsdale is at the core of that but the relationship as well between gabriel and ben white that is emerging for me is one of the most exciting things in this team the midfield is evolving too you lose thomas party you put in maitland niles with lakonga everyone was worried about that but they performed now whether or not they can do that game after game after game will be interesting to see the forward line to me is the one that needs to catch up talk to me a little bit about what the beauty is about our defense right now and the evolution of our midfield. The beauty is that there's no
2: Mustafi at 4.30 in the morning waiting for me at the pub. <laughs> okay? That's because, you know, we can't get drink served until 6 a.m. and that's, that's, that's been very difficult these past few years, having to sit there sober and watch Mustafi play. So, um, you know, that's that's beautiful in and of itself. But, yeah, I think Ben White has been an amazing signing. I think it's, you know, it's funny how all these people were quick to, you know what it is, it's just FIFA kids that are in, in all of these social media chats that are basically informing their views of football based on who they know, because they pick them up in their ultimate team. And like, that's not how real life works. Um, everyone was like, well, Varane is great, you know, because he's a French national look what Manchester United was able to accomplish. He's old. No one, you know, I mean, Arsenal is building a young future and that's going to take time. And I think you're starting to see that partnership form. It does look like uh, Saliba is going to come back um, once he's done with his loan spell. And I think that, you know, the uh, the defensive line is 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 really improved by, you know, by playing together regularly for like the first time in, you know, that I can think of. Certainly during Arteta, there's been so many injuries and um, I think Tomiyasu has been outstanding. I think that I was one of those people that was like, hmm, who is this? And there was that temptation to kind of wanted to sound off about it, but I'm like, but I don't know anything, right? And I think that's what this comes down to. It's like, sometimes you just have to be like, I don't know, and I'm just not gonna speak here and make myself look like an idiot, but social media and that don't always go together. So, um,
0: yeah, I think. No, it's true, it's true. Jess, talk to me a little bit about the partnership you see formulating with uh, Gabrielle and Ben White, because so many people talked about Ben White. He's terrible in the air. You know, Gabriel strong in the air. The ball carrying of Ben White, I think. I hope some Arsenal fans have seen an example of that, especially in the last two games. To me, they complement each other so well. And I'm going to use an example, but please don't take this, take it in the spirit of which I'm saying it. I'm not saying they're as good as them yet. They haven't won anything like that yet. But it's that Vidic-Ferdinand combo, right? I'm just talking about the players and their personas and their characteristics tell me what you see and how Tomiyasu helps complement that and and how the left side does too
1: yeah I think that um well the evolution of our defense has started way before these players even became Arsenal players you know I think Gabriel he was the first piece of this or actually Tierney was the first piece of this but it was prior to Arteta even being manager and then they brought in Gabriel the issue with Gabriel is that it was his first season at Arsenal and he was given a couple of different you know partners some good some not so good David Luiz Rob Holding, to name you know two of them and then Pablo Marie was in and out but last season our defense wasn't an issue you know I think that there's this myth that we we've been bad like our defense was not an issue last season it was the inconsistencies going forward you know everything that's wrong with us at the moment is midfield and forward dependent like our defense has been decent since Arteta's been here and now we've just increased the technical ability of the people that are playing back there. You know, Ben White is an upgrade on Rob Holding. Tamiyasu is an upgrade on Bellerin and a completely different profile. You have Tamiyasu who just stays a little bit further back so that we can play that inverted back line where, you know, Tierney slash Tavares can go way, way forward and we play kind of in a back three. And um, what I like about them, especially Tamiyasu and Ben White, is that they're two-footed. You know, so when they mm-hmm. get pressured from one side, they can just switch the ball with whatever foot, you know, and that's something that we haven't had the, their technical ability is levels above what we've had. Yep. And it just reminds me of the fundamental like philosophy of like managers like Pep. And I don't think Arteta's is like Pep in like, in terms of like his level, but in terms of making sure that his players have two feet, you know, that's important. And, um, Ben White and Gabrielle are building a partnership that I personally think could be really special. You know, I think Vidic and, and Rio is a very good comparison, but I think technically they're better than those two players. Like they just are. Gabrielle's technical wow. passing has improved a lot. A lot of people were saying he was just this rash physical defender. No, he can pass. He can switch the ball. Yeah. He can dribble out of the back and Ben White can do that as well. Ben White can't head the ball. Well, yeah, he can. He's a pretty good defender. And he he's one of those anticipatory defenders, which makes him like he's not going to do last-ditch tackles all the time. He just anticipates the ball and great recruitment, you mm-hmm. know? And these are 24 and 23-year-olds. Yeah. Just imagine what they could be in the next three, four years. Add Saliba in there. Tamiyasu yeah. becomes the center back, add an overlapping right back, and we're cooking. And even Ben, even even ben White, even
0: Ben White could play. I think in a midfield ro- midfield role, mm-hmm. and you could have Gabriel and Saliba back there. I think there's yeah. a lot of options, whether or not he stays or we sell him. Lou, so I want to I want to move to, um, you know, talking about our backline and stuff like that, and the role that Ramsdale plays in that Rambo 2.0, as I like to call him. He has a confidence. He's cocky. And he was humbled against Watford, and I liked that. I love that he had that moment and that he got away with it. He arrived at England camp, and I was watching all of the arrivals because I wanted to see Emile Smith Rose little face and Saka when they arrived. And Ramsdale was sitting in the car, shoes off. He was on actually not even sitting on the floor. He was on the on the on the on the floor of the car, so chilled, so laid back. Is he too chilled and too laid back, or do you love? All goalkeepers, Kevin Campbell told me goalkeepers are crazy, Sophie. They're all crazy. (laughs) Uh, So what's your take on on Rambo 2.0? Because the defensive line, having a goalkeeper like that, I think has made all the difference.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, First of all, I just want to commemorate not just Ramsdale, but the entire, the the new sort of defensive signings that we've made for their resilience Considering the Arsenal fans over the years, like you've mentioned, we've had to put up with the likes of Mustafi and Bayerin. Coming into our side, they faced some insane criticism when we hadn't have even seen them play yet. And the fact that they're still put on a shirt and still played their heart and, and soul and put put everything on that pitch, like mad props to them because mentally I feel like that would have taken a strain on anyone, um, like the pressure going into it. But, but Ramsdale... He has surprised everyone. Like even I, I didn't have any criticism of him when he came. I was interested to see what Arteta thought he had to offer considering we had Lino and he seemed to put a lot of faith in Lino but now obviously we've seen the improvement and we've seen the capabilities that this man has but yeah just on and off the pitch I feel like his passion carries him like I like to see that little bit of intensity I like to see someone who who really wants to be there who he directs the wall as well which we haven't seen in quite some time someone actually mm. shouting directions at their players since like Layman, we haven't really seen that sort of intensity from a goalkeeper so so I'm I'm excited for him, man. He's like you said; he's still only young. We've got a very young team that is is a work in progress. Trust the process, whatever you want to call it. But I'm I'm excited. He's really coming to himself, hundred percent. Yeah,
0: I I love his bravado, Mk. I really really do, and I feel like there's this character that's been built at the back. There's an evolution happening in midfield. Of course, we need Thomas Party fit. It's a concern about his injuries, no doubt. A lot of people didn't think Lekonga was ready. You don't get made captain by Vincent Kompany and Anderlecht at 21 years old for nothing, right? So I feel like there's options for us. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect when he leaves for AFCON, but you do have the um, Maitland-Niles-Jacques-Lekonga situation and who knows what's going to happen in January. So then we evolve a little bit to the forward line, which I think with the Smith-Rowe and Saka continues to evolve. They've put that team on their back. And I would argue, when you look at Premier League teams, senior players always carry the team. Senior players are always the barometer for the team's DNA, the culture, the tenacity on the pitch. They really set the tone. We've struggled with that for years with our senior players. Apathy, um, you know, lack of just lack of everything from the Ozil's to the Sogradis to the Mustafis to the Kalasinaches to all those kinds of players. I would say that our younger players, starting with Emil Smith-Rowe and Zaka, Zaka from last season, and now with the infusion of Nuno, Tommy Tomiyasu, Ben White, who are both still young have actually helped evolve the mentality of the older players. I think Lacazette was always there as a leader and he was always the one that they all gravitated to. But I think there's a different attitude in Aubameyang this season and I think it's kind of flowed through the team. What's your take on that? Do you agree or disagree with me that the younger players have helped mould or start to mould this new DNA and culture at the Arsenal?
2: I think that there's no question that the, the youth of this team saw an opportunity and seized it. You know, it, it for a while there was a lot of criticism, especially leveled at Oba after his you know his contract and people you know getting upset with his behavior off off the field and um, you know the, the especially I think after the unfortunate incidents of Euro 2020, um, soccer really was thrust into the spotlight and I think that he really seized that opportunity diplomatically. And I think that he proved himself to be an incredibly mature young player and a young man, and someone who is worth, you know, both adoration and respect and idolatry because he 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 sees the moment and he dealt with that better than I think a lot of people would be able to. And I think that that those are the qualities of leadership. And he was tested in a big way um, in in that heartbreak over the summer and the, and the consequential racism that he faced and i for me it's not about how old you are how young you are it's about whether you demonstrate leadership qualities i think Sokka certainly does and i think that what happened to him in particular was a catalyst for a lot of these players as they came to his defense and i i think especially since euro 2020 you've seen a real coming together of this squad and and a strengthening of the camaraderie And, and it's less about those egos and about showing up late and it's about being a together unit and that's so essential for a team. And it absolutely started with Sokka and, and and the youth because they had so, a, a moment to seize and they did so. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Jess, you've played at collegiate level, of course, and player mentality, attitude, influence, dressing room, it all matters. We've had a cancerous dressing room previously. Arteta's done a great job of ridding the club of that. Edu has done a great job of ridding the club of that. There's always the question mark of is it the manager or the players with the evolution of our squad. What's your take on... For me, it's always a blend of both. There has to be... The manager's influence in his vision and what he sees for the future and then of course the players bringing their their own personalities to the table what do you what's your take on that
1: it's always a blend of the two you know it's never clear black and white like is it the manager is it the players but what I will say is that now Arteta has an opportunity to kind of he has his players so and they have the right mentality, so now if they're not performing, we can look more at Arteta with a clear vision. Before, I think we knew like those players, they weren't really playing. Like They had down tools on Emery. Some of them were left over from Arson. Some of them were brought in by Emery. It was like this weird thing, so it was hard to really put your finger on it, but now we kind of know that these are Arteta's players. Josh Kroenke even said that In his interview with Sky Sports, that mentality was a huge part of the recruitment process. You know, they brought in players with the right arsenal mentality. And so now, if things are not working out and you're seeing players walk around and stuff, then you can actually look at Arteta and say, well, what's going on? These are your guys. They're not playing for you. So, yeah, I think it's a combination of both. These players seem to have the right mentalities at the moment. We will see in the next couple of games. Like, It's going to be interesting to see what happens to this team when they lose. You know, Mm -hmm. we know a loss is coming, you know, we're not going to win the rest of our games. So to see, I want to see what happens to this group after 10 games unbeaten or whatever, they lose a game and if they can rebound and can Arteta get these players back together if they have a tough loss. That's what I want to see. I think he can, but these are his players. So now the pressure's on, you know, so we'll see what happens.
0: You're listening to the Ladies Late Night here on the Lee Judges TV channel. Thanks to Lee and Dan for inviting us to have this, uh, what we hope you think is a great show. Luce, I believe you have a couple of questions for us.
3: You're on mute, babe. I keep doing this because I get feedback. It's a nightmare. Um, Yeah, a few Super super Chats coming in. Really appreciate it, guys. Keep adding to the conversation. Um, The upcoming away games will most likely test the process rather than trust it. And Andy says Mikel Arteta must compete at Anfield two years in. So kind of leading into the away games that we're coming up to. What do you guys think on those? Trust uh, the process.
0: MK, mm. this whole trust the process thing. I, I hear that on TV shows, actually. I hear it a lot, and when I hear it, I'm like, gosh, Dan, you, can't, you cannot get away from this trust the process thing. Um, it became like a thing, a saying, and then it became a thing, and now it's like a double thing and a slogan. I mean, every team has to trust a process, no?
2: Of course. Um, I actually have those terms muted on my Twitter. <laughs> because I just don't want to read the nonsense. Because I said before, who has I the agenda? It's the, trust the po- it's the trust the process people that are like, ha ha, like the Simpsons meme, like Ralph. And it's just, it's like, who cares? We just want to see Arsenal win. Like, congratulations, you're right this week. Let's talk in like December when we're January, you know, when we don't have the selection we do. And I hope I'm wrong, but it's like, it's literally, sorry, November 10th. There's a long way to go. And I certainly hope uh, and trust I hope that I can trust this process, but in order for me to trust a process, I need to see consistent results. We've had some consistency of late, but that needs to continue. And you know, uh, until then, it's just it's just a hashtag on Twitter. It's just more noise. It's just more people digging at one another for engagement, for arguments, and it's like it's just toxic. It, it's become a toxic buzzword, and and that's precisely why I have it muted.
0: I love that you have it muted, by the way. And Lucy, what was the was the second question that Anfield and Arteta two years in? Is that is that it? Why don't you yeah. answer that first and then we go to Jess?
3: Uh, must compete at Anfield two years in. I think he's shown that he has the capability to set up a team based around his opponents. So you can only play who's in front of you, right? So... Um, take each game as it comes I feel like he has been doing that he's been humbled by a few few games that he was kind of expected to do well in um, honestly I'm gonna I'm intrigued to see how we're gonna set up because Liverpool have always been a difficult side to, for us to play against even in our prime there are there's no discredit to them they're an amazing team so it's just about sort of like like I said, you can only do what's in front of you, show mm-hmm. up on the day. I just want to see us play with a little bit of passion. I want to see a quick start, no nonsense, messing around, quick passing, and just and just yeah, make sure we show up.
0: And and Jess, we've been humiliated quite a bit at Anfield. And this is, you know, everyone keeps talking about Arsenal need to pass this test. Like we're in the junior high and we got a maths test. And, you know, if you fail your algebra, you fail. And I feel like Aston Villa, if Aston Villa, this team that has been, you know, so great, and obviously they were with Jack Grealish, they made all these signings in the summer. Can Arsenal pass that test? Well, yes, we did. Then we have Leicester City, a team that we've done well again uh, against. As I said, we passed that test in quite fabulous fashion, I may say so, especially in the first half. Liverpool, is this the real
1: test, Jess? Is this the oh real God. one? I'm so sick of these tests, like every game, because it's, it's just about moving the goalposts for me. Like, it's just always going to be, this is the test, this is the test. For me personally, I do agree with the, the aspect of the Liverpool thing where we need to be competitive in this match, you know, because if you've changed six of your players and you claim that you've turned a corner, which I, I personally am not on that boat, but I feel like if we want to feel like we're actually doing something different, we have to touch the ball. You know, the last time that we played <laughs> Liverpool, we didn't yeah. touch the ball. Like, I remember us not having any possession. We we didn't have any shots. Like, it just, it very much was a passenger-like performance. And we had probably our best team out there. I remember Jack and, and Thomas playing that game. So it wasn't like we were a weakened squad. We just didn't show up. And so after playing Chelsea and Man City in those first couple of games, and, you know, the whole thing was we didn't have our players and we were injury-ridden and we had COVID issues and blah, blah, blah. We don't have that now. Mm-hmm. And I know that Liverpool have given, they've given up goals against Brighton and Brentford and they're leaking goals and they're not playing well, but they will show up against us. They will, you know, yeah. but at the same time, I expect us to show up. We can't say that we've changed if we don't touch the ball and we capitulate and just lose three. Now we still may lose three to one, but I feel like it's the manner in which you lose That will let us know whether or not we've done anything. And then if we do, because we could win this game, who knows? I think there's a chance that we could win. I think there's a chance we could draw. But if we do lose, what happens against Newcastle? Because I expect us to batter Newcastle and then make a good account of ourselves against Man United. So consistency and performances, always showing up and not doing that thing that we do when we play a really good team. We just go missing and then Mm -hmm. act like it didn't happen because we completely went missing in those first two games against Chelsea and Man City. Like, let's yeah. be real.
3: Yeah, it's, um, it's, it is true Can I just on loose. touch on that as well? Because I completely agree. And Liverpool are not invincible. And West Ham proved that last week. They It's completely doable. Um, their streak ended. They're feeling the brunt. They're going to be really up for it because they, like Klopp said, let's start a new streak. So we just need to make sure we show up with a bit of ruthlessness, have the passion that we've had in our previous games and continue our form.
0: I completely agree with that and you know I mean w- what David Moyes and West Ham are doing is incredible. You know again whether West Ham and whether West Ham and Leicester will be there at the end of the season, look what happened to Leicester, dropped out of the Champions League spot. For West Ham they're playing a lot of football, they're in every cup competition and they're you know they're in the Europa League. This is going to there's going to be some wear and tear coming at some point. We are still only in November. We haven't gone through that insane Christmas period. I think we have a couple of really good um, games that we can get at least six points over that Christmas period. We have a EFL cup game sandwiched in between that as well. What I want to get onto next before my final question is the emergence of Emil Smith row in this team. It's a beautiful thing to see, you know, Manchester city have Phil Foden, Chelsea have Mason Mount West Ham have Declan Rice. You know, Villa had Grealish. I think he's a bit different now. He's at Manchester City. You know, morphing into that team, being the star of the show and then going into a a team full of stars is a little bit different. You know, Manchester United have Mason Greenwood, Rashford. I would say Greenwood, a superior player to Rashford these days. And we have Emil Smith-Rowe and we have Saka. I asked Dan and Lee this question actually on our show uh, a, a couple of months ago. And I said, who will have the better season and Dan and I said Emil Smith Rowe would. And we felt like with Saka being involved in England and it feels like Saka, he's such a great player, he's such a wonderful character. He sealed it seems like he needs a rest. He's played a lot of football. I'll start with you, Jess. Emil Smith Rowe, has he become the most important player at our club? I don't want to put that on his shoulders, but he's been so incredible so far this season. What's your take on the two of them?
1: I would say, I don't know if I would say most important. I, I think the combination of Saka and ESR is most important. I think it's both of them together. And I think when they're out there together, there's something there, you know, because we know we're weak up top. I think we all know that we're weak up top, right? Um, but I'm not shocked at this thing that's going on with him because he just needed to add a go- add goals to his game since yeah. he's been introduced into the team I think the combination of him and Bakayo has been really special for us to move forward I don't want to leave Saka out because there's a lot of work that Bakayo does that people just don't see because it's not goals and assists goals don't happen without Bakayo touching the ball they just don't you know it's he's true. just He's very, very special, and he he helps us with our build-up and getting into the final third. Emil is now adding goals, and the combination of the two of them really makes up for the lack of striker that I think we all kind of know needs to happen, but they're special, and we're so lucky to have them. You know, bravo to the academy for, you know, producing such great, talented players for us, but we need to build a team around them and build a front line around them that supports them a little bit better. I do fear a burnout from the two of them. We know that if Southgate gets his clutches on Smith Rowe and he plays a little bit well, he's gonna get ran into the ground. And so there's players like Pepe and Aubameyang that I feel like need to step up. Maybe Martinelli gets some playing time. But the combination of the two of them, the balance of the two of them on each side, flanking our, our front line is really dangerous. And again, 20 years old, 21, 20, 21 years old, who knows what that could be in the next three to four years but we need to really protect them. But am I surprised Emil's doing this? Not really because he was so good last season. You just need to add the goals. You know, the guy is special. I think personally for me, if you had to ask me like whose ceiling I think is a little bit higher. I think Emil is just a little bit over Bacayo. You know, and I yeah. wouldn't have said that probably, you know, at the beginning of last season.
0: MK, maybe maybe our thought suggests and everyone on that is because Saka's played so much more football because of England sure. that he's a little bit tired and maybe, you know, he just Absolutely. needs a little bit of, of a break. MK, imagine being a young kid at Arsenal with your best mate, and you know, you score in a North London derby, you celebrate together, you have these moments, and now the two of you are together in the England setup as well as much as we want to protect them and we think ah oh, we don't really want them playing for england right now because who knows they could both make that world cup squad anything is possible they're so yeah. special they're so unique we cannot waste we've wait- we wasted the santi sanchez ozil years by not getting that defense and that defensive midfielder to build around that superb champagne football attack we cannot waste the Emil Smith Rowe and Saka years. They both seem determined to stay at the Arsenal, but players will want to win eventually. Right. What's your take on the two of them and and just seeing them budgeting together the way they are right now?
2: Well, I think it's really essential that because Saka does need rest, that Emil Smith Rowe stepping up and being as good as he has been takes a lot of the pressure off Saka. Saka was, you know, really a prime target for some vicious fouls throughout the, you know, the the games that we've seen so far this season. And, you know, he's, he's had a target on his back. And I think that Emil Smith-Rowe draws some of the pressure off of him with his ability to kind of carry the ball forward. And now adding, like Jess said, goals to his repertoire of skills really does bring him up to that next level because that's something we've really been missing in the Arsenal is a midfielder that is a goal-scoring threat. And, you know, when you look back to some of, like, the prime, you know, aughts Arsenal under Wenger, You know, yeah, Arsene Wenger, you know, didn't like to sign defenders for some reason. But, you know, he knew his midfield players and those midfield players could score goals and um, work well with the attack up front. So I'm really excited um, to see the way they take pressure off one another, but also come together and link up in play and and with the rest of the attack as well. I think it's exciting to get to watch this for sure.
0: Jess, you're a born and bred Londoner. You know, uh, um, Lucy, you're a born and bred Londoner, Jess and MK are from the States. But we all have the same sentiment when we think about the Halen boys, whether you come from Timbuktu or London, seeing these young players together in the team and bossing it and owning it and being the nucleus of it is something so special. When you add Maitland-Niles into the mix, we had three Haylen boys in the game against Watford. That's a beautiful thing to see, is it not? When we when we've been focused so much on negatives, negatives, looking at these positives is pretty epic.
3: Oh, it's wonderful, and you can see how much it means to them as well. Like things like scoring against Tottenham, like they understand what it means to be an Arsenal supporter and be born and bred Arsenal, which I, I love to see, and. Um, I think, like Jess said, and, and Roy Keane, don't get it twisted, I don't often agree with what he says, but he said all that need, all that Emmy needs to do is add goals to his repertoire. And now that he's doing that, something's clicked. And it's sort of selfish in a way to say that I'm scared that he will get burnt out playing for England as well as soccer. But you can see that like to any any young boy like any young footballer being picked to play for your team is is, if anything, more motivation to do well. Um, and it's just, I'm hoping they can deal with the pressure like they have been and it doesn't get too much for them. But yes, yeah, yeah. it's, it's so good to see. I'm so happy for them, honestly.
0: And let's hope our football club puts their money where their mouth is because the more they hang out with you know, the Mounts of the world and the Walkers of the world. Exactly, yeah. And the Foden's of the world, you, you know, I think they're sensible and they've got their heads on. And Emil Smith-Rowe, I especially, I think they both want to play for the Arsenal their entire career. But we need to make sure we capitalise on this. Okay, going to get you guys out on this one. Thanks to everyone who's joining us in live chat. Um, let us know what you think. Hit that like button, of course, and subscribe to Lee's channel. Got, You've got Jess from She Knows Arsenal. Subscribe to that. We've got MK Liebman from Arsenal Los Angeles. and We've got Loose as well. You can see everyone's handles, so give everyone a like. Arsene Wenger. We had to bring him up. We had to mention him. My goodness, the amount of press this week for The Professor is insane. I cannot tell you... What happened in a WhatsApp group today between a bunch of Arsenal fans? Let me just say it was polarizing. Arsene Wenger, without doubt, one of the greatest managers for some, the greatest manager. There's always the argument between Chapman, Graham and Wenger. Depending on which era you were born in, one resonates with you more than the other. The first 10 years for me of Wenger's reign was like dreamlike football absolutely insane absolutely wonderful but then for me with wenger it became like this i was saying to lucy earlier today this relationship where you're in this relationship and you're like oh my god i'm so in love and you know you're going through the Mills and boons moment and you're drinking champagne and you've got the videos the pictures and you're like oh my god life is just perfection And you just want it to last forever and ever. But the relationship starts to wane a little bit. There's cracks in it. And you try to save it over and over again. And you want to capitalize on those memories you had before. But it becomes so toxic towards the end that the breakup is really bad. Jess, I'm going to start with you. Wenger, genius. Absolutely changed English football, let alone Arsenal football. You could argue also that George Graham changed arsenal football club as well it's getting lauded this week the invincible film which everyone is raving about what is your take on him this week what you're seeing what you've seen talk to me
1: um the good, I, <laughs> the good times of of arson will never go away but i also remember the times where I wanted him to go, you know, and I I think that there's a lot of there's so many great memories and the Invincibles will always be what it is, which is the greatest achievement in the Premier League, you know, even Sir Alex Ferguson said it, you know, and if that, that's high praise there and he's won a bunch of trophies. So, you know, he had a trouble winning team, let's be real. So I think the Invincibles is always something that's there. And Arson is always something that's there. But there's a lot of rewriting of history here sometimes. Like, I feel like sometimes we we forget that although he was alone in that job, some of it was alone because he chose to be. And he was much so the authoritarian type. And I think sometimes he martyred himself and was like, this job is so difficult and I'm always doing it on my own. But then when they offered you a director of football, you said, what does a director of football do? You know, so I think he held us up. And he did a lot with a little, but a lot of the issues that we have stem from him not wanting help and not revolutionizing and kind of moving forward into this new era. And so personally, I love watching old things about the Invincibles. I love watching old games, but we need to build a new future. And I feel like the longer we hold on to the Invincibles, like we actually need to find something in this in this era to hold on to because we don't. And we keep looking back at the invincibles and I don't want to look back at 2004. And that's the last time that we did Mm. something. And that really is what it is. So, although it's nice to have these memories and hear David Dean talking about Patrick Fierre calling Spurs, you know, SHIT and all this kind of stuff. Great. But let's not rewrite history. We should have moved on a long time, like way before he left, there was a lot of damage there that was started by him. And we just need to move forward. Like, I want to move into the next thing, you know, yeah. and just yeah. kind of focus on that. We just keep going back. And I'm just like, we've done this, haven't we? You know? Yeah.
0: I, I mean, yeah. For me, I only use the rearview mirror to check my lipstick. I love our history. I love it all. But MK, this is why I was so upset. I've never been more upset at losing out at a potential trophy than Europa League last season. Because for me, he never won a European trophy, he never won the League Cup. Of course, he went invincible and he won the FA Cup multiple times. His achievements were phenomenal. He also got us to a Champions League
2: final. He got us to a Champions League itself.
0: final, yes. Yeah. But the last 10, 12 years of the Premier League, and I'm talking yeah. about the Premier League, right? The, the latter mm-hmm. FA Cup saved his legacy a little bit too. What, Probably, he did, yeah. what he did in the early days was phenomenal. He also inherited mm-hmm. a phenomenal back line from George Graham and that era but he also rebuilt that back line to be fair to him what is your take on the health
2: conscious yeah
0: yeah what's your what's your take on on wenger that's this is why i think if uh, if arteta had won the europa league and an fa cup can you imagine what would be we'd be talking about right now and sure yeah what what are your thoughts
2: well I think I think the first 10 years or so of Wenger's legacy is why he was able to stay as long as he did because I think that this you know our board as it diminished and became further reduced to just crunkies just gave him too much of the share of the job and it's just not possible for one person to do all of those things he was our recruiter head of recruitment he was essentially director of football operations in many respects he was the manager he was training it's you know at some point that's, that's just not feasible for one man to do as brilliant as he is. But, you know, he's also in part to blame for that because he's stubborn as we've seen, and he creates his own obstacles, but I have nothing but respect for the man. You know, I think that he did stay too long. He's admitted that himself, but I I agree with Jess, you know, in 2004, just to put it in perspective, Mark Zuckerberg was still blogging in his Harvard dorm and there was no iPhone. (laughs) It's a long time ago. And we need to get something current to talk about. And as much as I love 49, 49 undefeated, like the next person, it's a great chant. We've got to develop some modern history here, guys. It's like, we're looking like the New York Mets. I'm sorry. A lot of people won't get that, but.
0: Or the Bulls, the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago
2: Bulls living, you know, 20, 30 years ago in our history. And that just, it just, it's not, it doesn't feel competitive. It's like after a while, it just feels kind of um, sad.
0: Loose. What is your take on this? So we, we we chatted, your dad, by the way, what a legend. I mean, I know uh, how he feels about he this. Once he gets but... going
3: on this subject, <laughs> can I just say, being in that group chat earlier was like being back in 2017, 2018. It was like going back in time to the days of hashtag arson in, arson out, render out, whatever. I was like, oh, my God, it's I think happening Jess, again. Jess
0: must have just muted it.
3: <laughs> I wouldn't oh, blame yeah. her if she
0: did. I
3: really wouldn't. It was a nightmare. Um, can I just say before I before I start, I I was born in '97. I said this in the chat earlier. I was brought up on Wenger, Wenger's Arsenal, and and watching what he did and what he created was beautiful and and what a, like an amazing sort of legacy to have behind you. And I have nothing but respect for for what he did and what he achieved. However the later years obviously we went downhill fast and he became like a catalyst for the acceptance of mediocre football and what I mean by that is that he was willing to watch by as other individuals our owners our board sort of let us sort of um, depict fourth place as a trophy when we all knew that as a so-called big club, we deserve better. We we always are going to want to deserve better. We're football fans. We're Arsenal fans. We want our club to be winning. And when you fall into the trap of accepting fourth place, accepting qualifying for Europe, but never sort of seeing yourself winning it, it's a, it's a dangerous place to be in. And... As, as much as I don't blame Wenger, I'm not saying it's his fault, because if you've got a job and you're raking in eight million a year and it's a job you love doing, then why are you going to leave? But at the same time, he should have had some sort of moral respect in in order for us, as we have had for him for so long. And I feel like it was in his best interest, both for his legacy and for the fans to, to sort of call it a day a lot earlier than he did. It's all ifs, buts. It didn't happen, who would have taken over, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, I think you need to look at both sides of the coin and just say, like, he wasn't the best man for the role. I'm not going to sing his praises all day long because one half of his career was amazing, the other half wasn't amazing. So I feel like we need to sort of take a step back from it now. Like, he's not here anymore. Whether he'll be returning in any capacity is one thing, but we need to move forward and, like... Uh, mk said like just said start thinking about our modern success and what we're going to do in the future and
0: i love it i'm a little bit older than the three of you i feel like mum, you know but and i love your take on it because i remember the george graham era of course and and wenger i may remember a little bit of before the george graham era but not too much and Arsenal have evolved. Every manager brings something different to the table, right? And I agree with all three of you. You've said something beautiful, um, you know, in, in all of your comments. I want to build something now for the future. And we all hope that that's Arteta because whether we've agreed or disagreed with what is done in the past, we want what's best for our club, whether we agree or disagree. So, you know, at the end of the day, when our, if Arteta our does well, our club does well, and that's all we want. And good luck to Wenger with the movie. Thank you for all the glorious years. Um, there's no doubt that he's given us some of the best memories of our football lives. And also, you know, we've been we've been uh, we've been there as fans. We've hit rock bottom, and Arsenal went in full football rehab, meltdown, breakdown, rock bottom, and now we're on our way back up. Hopefully, great show, you guys. Anyone has any last words to say?
1: I Speak now wondered. or forever hold your peace. Mm -hmm. just because you were you're basically saying like you know Arteta you know doing well is good for the club and all that but one thing that I have come to the realization this season that I didn't see last season is if for some reason Arteta failed this season and he finished in eighth again then we didn't get in Europe because personally for me if he doesn't get in Europe he has to go if he left another manager would want to manage this team and come into this project if at the very the the one thing you can take it from what he's done so far, is that this is a much more attractive proposition than it was just a couple of months ago. Nobody would want this is the hardest job. This is a job that somebody would want to come into. We don't have aging players on contracts where you can't get rid of them. You have young under twenty three, under twenty four players that are right on the cusp of really having their explosion, ready to play for this team with a good mentality and. As, as much as I know, some people don't like Arteta, but at the very least, I can thank him for that because a couple of months ago, nobody would want to touch this job. You know, so that's one, one thing you can take from it is another manager would want to take over. You know, if were to go. One hundred,
0: one hundred percent, Jess. Perfect for Ten Hag to come in next year if we finish in eighth again. Absolutely. No, it's I, you both agree with that, right? Luce and, and MK, we were broken, but now, Absolutely. you know. I mean I think it's a more potential. of a strong youth yeah, yeah
2: with the youth mm-hmm. yeah, the absolutely. fact
3: is a few years ago I would have said I I didn't look forward to watching the Arsenal play and now you see potential you see Emmy, you see Saka like we we have promise and we have something to look forward to each week so let's just build on that
0: yeah definitely who knew it was fun to watch football i have forgotten what it felt like imagine <laughs> it's crazy Okay, so um, I, know I do all... just want to say on, as well. Liz.
3: Sorry, sorry. I just want to say, like, obviously, congrats to the ladies tonight again. Um, yeah, out of the bag. Got to mention them because
0: they're doing yes. amazing. Love so we, to see we we just did a a, a, a a an Arsenal women's show on Highbury Squad with Demian, who's awesome. And I know, like, on our next one, we're going to be talking a lot more about the women's team because of the North London Derby. So we'll be doing that on this channel too. Five one in the Champions League, North London Derby this weekend. Arsenal at Tottenham let's let's just,
3: just smash grr. it let's go
0: we are unbeaten in the WSL this team is flying Jonas is doing a phenomenal job the new players who've come in have done an amazing amazing job and our next show will be talking about the Arsenal women in a little bit more depth we hadn't got together to talk about the Arsenal on this ladies' show for a while, so we've covered that. And on our next show, we will definitely be digging a lot more into our women's team as they progress in the WSL and also the
1: Champions League.
0: Until then, everyone, Jess, tell everyone where they can find you even though it's on screen.
1: Yeah, you guys can follow me at she Knows Arsenal on YouTube and on Twitter and all of those things. You'll see me there talking about Arsenal. Thanks, guys.
0: Jess does a lot of fantastic shows. Lots of different uh, subjects. Congratulations on reaching your five thousand subscribers, too, Jess. Very well Thank deserved. Uh, MK, let everyone know where they can find you. Um, below at MK Liebman and also at
2: Arsenal LA, which is our branch's Twitter account, which I also manage.
0: Absolutely brilliant. And Loose.
3: Yes, I am on Instagram and Twitter at Loose Tbh, or uh, I'm on Hybrid Squad. As well quite quite a few times now hopefully again soon so
0: you definitely
3: okay thanks so much ladies
0: thanks to lee and dan again and thanks to david behind the scenes for all that he does until next time up the gunners get in